Today I've been thinking about meaning and the supposed meaning crisis, which I think is more of a kind of a cover-up for something a little bit more deeper, a little more hidden, which is a complexity issue, really. Now, I think that meaning for a long time through history has been implicit. It's something that's been a given, part of the background. You didn't have to really think about it. Therefore, if you didn't have to think about it, it's not something it's you had no real conception of what is the meaning of life. I think that's a very cultural question. And it comes about by certain cultural conditions. I mean, you can imagine, you know, people in uh, hunter-gatherer times after the the hunting, they don't they wouldn't it's like someone wouldn't have sat down and just wondered what was the point of all that? What was the meaning, right? Well, first of all, you need a type of language to articulate it. You need the terms to articulate it. So I don't think these questions have been with people for the, all that long. I think they're actually quite modern questions. And this lack is actually quite, not the lack itself, but the actual thing that we're saying is lacking is more of a modern conception and it exists in much more modern terms than we give it credit for. But yes, uh, what was I saying? The meaning has been more so implicit in our lives. This type of what we would say right now is meaning, looking back at hindsight, that people lived more meaningful lives, though they didn't think about it in those terms. It's what I, what I mean to say. Okay, now it's, it's become this craze to, to, to claim that we're in a meaning crisis, that we're on the brink of some type of cultural collapse, which I think is just kind of nonsense. Obviously, there's a lot of people making careers, making books, being public figures, you know, spouting things like this. I mean, whatever. It's it's kind of a business, you know. There's a market for these types of things. Honestly, just go out, go out to the park, go out to the mall, go for a walk, get your head out of the internet. It's like what? It, it's all pretty ridiculous to tell you the truth. But anyway. So now we're in a state where we're articulating this lack of something that was so implicit. And now we actually have to work for our meaning, for whatever this meaning is. We have to actually work for it. It's not something that's given to by our culture, by the social structures we find ourselves in. I mean, by its lack, we've actually understood what it is, and it's something that now we need to actually work towards in making. And I think this is what people have been having difficulty with, and it's like, well, you're the creator of meaning. Make it.
What else can you do? At one point, it was a collective effort, so you didn't really have to work all that much. Now it's an individual effort. You know, you have the individual popping up. And with individual, of course, comes novelty. And the thing with novelty comes loneliness. So you become very alone. And I'm kind of going off on a tangent here. I'm just rambling. But the thing with being an individual is that you're kind of doomed to be alone. You know, especially creating your own type of individual meaning, creating your own type of individual values. That's, I mean, when you think about it, it's like, who else is going to recognize these values? It's hard to find a community to do that. And for a long time, we've lived in a way as to have values or to have a set of a kind of template that others recognize as being valuable and others can understand and can react accordingly to. Now, because of kind of individualism and this uh, prevalence towards individualism, the priority of it, we are building very novel ways or very novel values and templates that are not as easily recognizable to other people and therefore not valuable to other people. And so we're either left in a position where we are ostracized or felt like, or, uh, or be put into to a place where we are maybe even questioning ourselves, hesitating, not confident about what we're doing, but what we are, because other people do not recognize. And I think that social recognition, you know, the recognition of the other is actually really important for us psychologically you know there needs to be some type of care that you put into the recognition of other people this concept of you know just don't care what other people think or just do whatever you want to do and just like tell society to, to you know to screw off is just it's really unhealthy it's really wrong it's quite ridiculous and infantile but That's not to say that individualism is a bad thing. I don't think that these things are bad or good. I mean, at the like the ultimate analysis, if you really want to understand them, say through a kind of lens of a neutral anthropologist or something, someone studying a culture, they're not good or bad. Of course, they are different types of, let's say, systems which have certain consequences. And these consequences can be weighed on a scale of, of judgments. So, yeah, I'm just rambling at this point. I find an interesting uh, recording right now because I can think really clearly and without much hesitation when I'm just by myself, I guess, not recording. But when I press record, 
I start to kind of second guess myself. I start to think a little bit more, but more in different directions, not on the same line of or train of thought that I'm thinking about when I'm thinking about a, to a topic. It's kind of more focused on like the periphery, secondary things, like how I sound or am I making sense? Am I using the right wording? What type of words should I use? How's my syntax? You know, how's my voice? All these types of things. And hopefully as I keep doing these types of uh, recordings, I'll get better at this. But whatever. This was just a, uh, a ramble. I think I'll just continue it on for a little bit more. I don't know who would honestly be listening to this, but if you are, thanks. Find it interesting. But uh, today I've been watching the um, on a on a channel which I actually quite enjoy. I think it's a really good channel. It's a small one. It's a small podcast channel called Theory of Everything. I've been watching a uh, interview or a kind of dialogue between John Varick and uh, Bernardo Castrop, which I'm. I'm more familiar with Bernardo Kastrup's work. I'm actually thinking of probably renting, uh, not renting, but taking out one of one of his books from the from the library around here. I've never, I haven't read any of them. I've just been watching his podcasts. I've been watching them for about the last two years here and there. He's a very interesting thinker. Very interesting. I uh, resonate with him a lot on different issues, especially with um, theory of mind metaphysics just whole his whole kind of um life philosophy too now it's not really my forte not really something i pay all that much attention to i was actually thinking of papa probably maybe someone at the door Actually, never, no, there was no one at the door. Never mind. Okay, let's continue this. I was actually thinking about writing a, uh, a little piece on kind of metaphysics, idealism, materialism. But then I realized it's like these these things, I, I am not that knowledgeable in them to write an article. I just don't feel right about writing articles on, on topics like that. It just seems so silly to me. It's like, what, I read one book and I'm just going to broadcast to the world my ideas on these things i'm just i i feel like i have to be a kind of expert on it that's be something i'm just kind of devoted to so i think this is one of the reasons why i i've, I've honestly i've gra gravitated towards more to to fiction and poetry because i just don't consider myself a specialist or an expert on any type of topic you know economics biology, nutrition, uh, philosophy. These are kind of like the areas that I, I've considered here and there writing articles on. Like art, when I say articles, just like just posts on my website. But it's just, it's it's really silly. I do not have the knowledge to really talk about these things. And if I... I mean, if, if I do write something, even a little bit, it just feels like I'm posturing. 
or I'm I'm an imposter. So I'm not gonna do that. But I've been I've been watching this podcast and um, it's been very interesting. Now the thing with John Varick is that he's um, he has a book called The Meaning Crisis that we're we're living in a type of meaning crisis right now, and this goes back to what I was saying previously. You know this type of crisis mentality. This I just. I think really the thing is, is that the onus is on us for meaning. When it comes to living a meaningful life, it's no longer something provided to us from the outside, by the outside, from whatever institution, religious institution, whatever. It's now something we have to work at, and not as a collective, but as individuals, and maybe from on the individual level, we can branch out into a more collective level. Level, I don't know, but I, I think it's a new type of engagement. Is what we're dealing with—a new type of engaging with meaning with ourselves psychologically. And um, I don't see much pessimism here. I see more optimism. Uh, I, I think we'll make it. I don't think we're on the brink of collapse in this regard. I, I, I don't. I think it's actually quite silly. And usually people, I mean, you always got to be weary with people that prophesize these types of things because really I think pretty much majority of the time they're doing it because they have something to sell you and they have a name to make. But... Uh, Whatever. Rambling. Done. So I think this idea about meaning, about meaningful life, I think that it's very much a modern conception. I don't think that this is something that has been perennially with the the species since our conception right something that we've always struggled with trying to find the meaning of life i think this is a very modern phenomenon and it requires a certain level of cultural complexity and language development in order to really articulate to kind of cognize okay and i think that We've articulated what this type of lack of motivation, this lack of just direction and purpose, we've made sense of it in a way as to say that it's meaninglessness. I I think I have on a type I have a notion that it's it's something much more but that we've put this label of meaninglessness on it as a kind of band-aid, a conceptual band-aid, or a type of, maybe a, like a metaphor to help us understand it. I think, part of it has to do more so, if we wanna talk about this thing, kind of as it could exist historically, what it could be. First of all, I think that for a lot of people, 
especially people in like collectivist cultures, this type of meaninglessness or even like the meaning of life is actually kind of a silly question. It's quite silly. And the reason for that is because, well, I think if you're connected to the group, you do not really get, get the sense of meaninglessness. Meaninglessness is something that the lonely individual feels because they're not connected to anything. Not only are they not connected, but they do not recognize the values of the group. And whatever values they hold is not recognized by the group. And so they feel meaninglessness. What's the point? I think that's kind of how we operate. And I think if you were to ask a lot of people that are in other parts of the world, let's say, other than the West, or if you were to ask a previous generation, like your grandparents, these types of questions about meaninglessness, especially if they come from Europe, let's say, then you'd get, maybe you'd get unsurprising answers, right? Answers like, why would you even care about something like that? What does that even mean? Don't worry about it, right? I think they would look at it as a kind of ridiculous, modern, cliche. But anyways, I think what these things really are is Uh, well, first of all, I think that necessity brings with it meaning. So when I say that, I think that the certain things that happen in life that you do not have control over, that you have to bear, that you have to face and confront, are the things that provide the highest amount of meaning and significance. The things that you choose that are of your choice, like say like you choose some type of responsibility, those are the things that can be trivialized, that can be looked at as burdens. But when it comes down onto you from as if an act of faith, then it becomes it becomes something that you have to think of in meaningful ways, right? There's a type of suffering to it that needs, that accompanies meaning and the understanding of this thing as a meaningful thing, right? And maybe as a way to cope, we do this kind of naturally as a way to cope, cope with it, cope with the things that we find in life, things that may be unfair, the things that we just do not have any control over. We cope with it with this type of meaning mechanism. Um, but I think really underlying this language of meaning is, is an aesthetic, is a profound aesthetic sense. And I, I don't mean just beauty. I mean something beautiful in a, in a way that's abstract, right? Because when we say, well, what is the meaning of life? Like my life has meaning or something. We're not just saying that there's a piece of prose in my head that I keep referencing that I find satisfaction in. There's there's an aesthetic quality to life that you you are sensing to your activity, to who you are, to other people, a kind of beauty to it. And I'm I, I'm using beauty in kind of an, an abstract way. I'm not referencing a type of like visual beauty. 
even auditory beauty or anything like that. I'm thinking more of something more abstract that can lead itself into this bleed into itself, this type of language of meaning, meaningful, meaninglessness that we've adopted so far. And we've been kind of hysterical about, and it makes you wonder, okay, well, how, how does someone reach this type of aesthetic sense? And what does not having this aesthetic sense mean? Like what, what is it? And, you know, the more you think about it, aesthetic sense is something kind of spiritual. I think this is one of the reasons why religion is so profound when it comes to meaning. So it provides a high amount of aesthetic sense. It's very spiritual. And I think that we cannot escape the fact that we are profoundly spiritual. You know, and I'm not trying to use this the connotations of spirituality as they've existed throughout cultures and history, although any or type or evoke the language of spirituality as they've existed. I don't care for any of that. When I say spirituality, I mean more so a transcendent reality, right? Something that is not objectively of the material world, something that you cannot verify through the material world, that you cannot study through the material world. You would have to enter into the subjective experiences of a human being, you know, um, I was thinking about this the other day of uh, being in an art gallery. And I thought to myself, well, what is it that I enjoy so much about being in an art gallery? And I realized, like, first of all, I don't go to an art gallery to be entertained. That's ridiculous. I'm not entertained here. This is something else. And I pretty much realized that it's, it's, it's spiritual. I mean, no matter how much I want to make my sense of myself as a non-spiritual person, I go to these places. You know, I partake in these works as if there's something spiritual about it. It has a high amount of spiritual significance. And what I mean by that is that there's a, there's a transcendent reality that I'm t tapping into, something that cannot be ascertained in the material world itself, but something that exists in mind that is connected to me in a, in a significant upper level way, you know, and I'm not trying to say that there is this type of reality that I'm trying, that I'm grasping or anything like that. I'm saying that this is, this is a dimension of our psychology and that we do not realize it because we've lost the language and the context of thinking of these things in this way. We've replaced it with something more secularized and materialistic. And so we no longer understand them as these things. But this is essentially what they are. They're like these ancient ghosts locked away in our heads that we keep trying to evoke and we want to keep trying to evoke because they affirm our lives. They give us value, significance. And I treat, I treat books and literature in the same way as the same type of kind of like spiritual essence. You know, what, what, what do I get when I read? I mean, I get something profound, something insightful 
something above and beyond what is just material reality. And I'm evoking these kind of ancient mechanisms for meaning and for something spiritual, you know. Um, I think to better illustrate this, what I mean is think of something like the placebo effect, right? If I give you a sugar pill and I say it's going to do this or this, and you take it, and it has those effects, it has them in a very diluted way, but it still has them. And that is a, you can say, a spiritual phenomenon. But we don't make sense of it like that because we, re we replace that language with a different type of language that makes sense of the world in a different way. But at the end of the day, I can make sense of it as a spiritual phenomenon. Whatever, you can just change the contexts. So I'm always deeply entrenched by the spiritual world, really. And when you look at something like language too, language is a spiritual phenomenon. Using my definition of what spiritual means, a transcendent reality, language is a spiritual phenomenon. When you look at a word, there's nothing inherent in that word to evoke that meaning or to evoke that type of response that you get from that word. It's just a configuration of shapes or some configuration of auditory sound. That's all it is. You know, and where does language exist? Where does it exist? It exists right within our heads. That's it. It does not exist in the material world. Its symbols exist in the material world, but you cannot get its meaning through its symbols. It evokes the meaning. It's not inherent. The meaning is in the, this, this mental human realm. So, again, I'm rambling here. And um, kind of just testing these things out. Testing, just like speaking into a mic and just seeing where I go. But. Okay, I'm out.